Welcome to Tech Talk Nation, talking about the latest tech, industry news, and hot topics. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Visit our website at techtalknation.com. Good morning and welcome to Tech Talk Nation. I'm your host, Matt Fitzgerald, and we have a wonderful show for you today. We have a bunch of cool topics that we're going to talk about. We're going to be talking about Apple's new AirTags, a bunch of news with Microsoft and their related entities. Uh, it's been a big week for Elon Musk here, uh, so we want to talk a little bit about that. And we have a really cool story from Disney about a cool invention that they've been working on. Uh, we'll have a very good discussion on that uh, today, and we are joined once again by two regular contributors to the show. We got Matt Grislow and Ryan Eastman here today. How are you doing, guys? I'm doing well. Ryan, how are you? I'm doing pretty good now. How are you? Great, great. We are doing great. Today is also a very special day for a lot of people out there. Uh, it is Mother's Day today. Uh, so before we get into our stories, we just wanted to give a shout out to all our moms. Uh, tell them we love them. Thank you for all they do for us. And it really is uh, great that it is uh, Mother's Day and we try to be nice to them all year. Uh, but today is a special day and we want to give them the extra special attention that they deserve. Isn't that right, guys? exactly right happy mother's day mom if you're watching this um sorry i couldn't be home this weekend i'll be home next weekend i also hope you got the flowers i don't know if they got delivered to you i'm gonna be calling the company if you didn't get them um but happy mother's day mom love you and hope to see you soon and i'll just say happy mother's day mom even though you're not gonna watch this because you don't know i'm doing this right now <laughs> <laughs> nice I'll keep it shorter. she has no idea i'm doing this right now so wonderful Wonderful. Well, without further ado, let's just get straight into the stories today. Uh, the first one we got for you is about YouTube. They are now building their own video transcoding silicon. YouTube is now designing basically, a, this looks like a, a PCI card here, that is solely dedicated to video transcoding. It's called the Argos chip. And it says up to 20 to 33 times improvements in compute efficiency prepared to a uh, their old kind of optimized uh, system here. I just think it's super cool that YouTube is going to be um, making their own hardware now for their specific stuff. I know Google has done this in the past, but not a specific video transcoding chip. So that is really cool to see. Not sure what uh, your guys' thought on that. I don't know if this is coming 100% out of the blue. Uh, I think, I forget if it's one or two years ago, Google's Pixel phone had basically a fancy, like, uh, custom chip for dealing with, like, dealing with, I think it was usually pictures that it touched up, but it could be used in a lot of different things. This is probably, I'd bet, like, a branch off of that. Definitely. Like neural something in like the pixel three or four i can't remember which one hmm. but yeah, yeah i think it's a good idea <laughs> no go for it man oh i was gonna say i think it's, it is definitely cool just to piggyback off of what fitz said um that that youtube is kind of and i guess in in a way google is starting to make more uh, hardware and more specifically for their video uh platforms and uh google's definitely gonna be getting a, a boost from this Oh, absolutely. They're going to save 
I can't remember what the prices they pay for all the servers to host all their content and transcode everything. Yes, that the, the price is I, yes. <laughs> I, I feel I feel very comfortable say, saying it will save them plenty over a billion dollars in the long run. I'm not really? sure if it would be that much, but I'd say probably millions over the, over the course of three years after they start producing these. You don't think it'll save them a billion dollars? I mean, they run several data centers, but it's it's definitely one of those things where it's like yeah, but... Google keeps all this stuff under wraps. Like how much of that is for YouTube specifically? Yeah. And how much of this, like the the area that I think it's really going to optimize in a lot of cases is their, their CDN, their content delivery network, where they're going to have these, these end nodes where they're actually going to transcode that content for you. Have it, have it dynamically transcoded as opposed to just basically you retrieving X file. Um, so I, I don't know if I, I'd be stunned if they don't spend somewhere on the course of $5 billion worth of processing power every year just oh, to trans video. I am sure it is. It is just stupid high. Uh, it's just one of those things where, um, to save a billion dollars, all they got to do is, you know, it wasn't 33. How fast did they say? Did they say 133 or 33? 33% faster. Okay. Ooh. I'm going to play 20, fast. It says 20 move. to 33 times improvement in compute efficiency compared to our previous optimized system, which was running software on a traditional server. Yeah, I'm going to play so. fast and loose with numbers real quick and just say they spend $5 billion transcoding a year. Let's divide that by three. And then that's how much they save every year after this is implemented. I mean, yeah, I, you, you do have a point on that. I mean, who you, you don't know the full numbers, but yeah, it's a great improvement. I definitely see them uh, making a great effort to get this, get this work done. So um, yeah, it'll be, it'll be really interesting to see what comes out of this and hopefully they can make even more specialized hardware for some of their other applications as well. Like maybe some of their voice stuff or anything like that. So who knows? Who what if they start selling this to like Android phone designers? Hmm. Hmm. Definitely. Who who knows? I don't know how much help it would be, but speaking of processing incredibly large amounts of data, uh, the next article here that Ryan sent in was Facebook. Facebook doesn't want to remind uh, you how much it knows about you. In a recent series of Instagram ads, we're banned for being too honest because the truth will share people. Uh, oh. basically yeah. I, I was reading a little bit about this, but basically people are putting out ads that just, uh, basically target your exact demographic, like literally your exact, uh, demographic here. So, uh, you want to add a little more on that, Ryan? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if I'm remembering this correctly, I looked at this earlier in the week, it was advertisements sent out by signal, which is basically they do end-to-end -end encryption on like messages you want to send between people. Uh, they thought it'd be a good idea to put out the ad and be like, oh, hey, here's how much they're uh, tracking about you. Here's basically all the ad does is it shows you what tags they used to find you specifically. Exactly. And you're right. It was they signal. All the stuff about you that your interest that they know about in order to tie to to target you with these uh, advertisements. Well, Google... and that's their advertisement for using their service. It's great. Right. 
And that, that is a brilliant idea. The one thing that I do want to say too, is like some of these companies are getting a little more willing, like they're actually going to show you this because even on, uh, on YouTube now I've noticed up at the top, it shows me my interests. Like it'll show me the things that I'm interested in. Like it'll show like, like, uh, engineering, uh, SpaceX, uh, uh, how it's made, like all the, all the stuff I, I love to watch on, on YouTube. And, uh, it's, it's just interesting. And with signal doing this now, they're basically kind of, I, I don't know what it, what, uh, what it's like, what it kind of says. It's like Facebook runs their own thing. They can do that, whatever they want. Uh, and these ads literally are just saying, this is what Facebook knows about you. And they got banned because of that fact. So, I don't know. I think, uh, I don't know. I think these companies should probably be forced to follow the rules they set. So they have their terms of use. If you're not violating anything in their terms of use, why are they allowed to ban you? Very true. I mean... I could I could spend uh, ten million dollars putting out an ad to people who like cheese that are based in Wisconsin that just say, "Hey, you like cheese?" Like I I can do that. It's just I feel like it's one of these things where you're kind of getting this argument of two competitors kind of going like, "Hey, X platform is bad," and then the other platforms like, "No, we're not. We're just going to control what you see." So I <laughs> I don't know. And having yeah. enough, uh, basically, money and manpower to be able to actually, in a way, spit in the face of the hand that feeds you, or uh, slap away the hand that feeds you, I mean, that takes a that takes a little bit of courage to do, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm still just more annoyed. It's like, you know, you set the rules, they didn't violate your rules, and now you're going to ban them? Really? Right. It's it's interesting. I mean, yeah, they're going to set rules and people will follow them or break them and, and the company will choose whether or not they want to, you know, act on, on those people. Um, I think at the end of the day, though, they're just trying to protect their, their own best interests. So if it's good for their company, they'll allow it. And if it's not, then they won't. Right. And it's it's definitely one of those things where in the terms of service, there's always some sort of clause or something like that, basically, that just says, we don't like it, we won't like we won't help you pretty much Yeah, no, like yeah, at the discretion of the platform providers, something along the lines of that terms of service are getting, I shouldn't say they're getting, cause they've never been easy to read or understand. I mean, you, you could fill, you know, three binders with one company's terms of service. Right. So to be able to understand them and, and to know that you're violating, you know, their policies based off of your terms of service um, after you did something is kind of silly. Um, but I, I feel like there's gonna be, there's gonna come a point, I don't know when, um, but there's certainly gonna come a point where, um, there's gonna be a big, I'm sure a big legal battle over terms of service and how they're all worded and how they need to be not dumbed down, but condensed or simplified, um, because they get so complicated and convoluted that people just don't know what, what is what and what's okay and what isn't. And then when a company comes back and fires back and says, you can't do this based off of our terms of service, it's like trying to find a needle in a haystack as to how you violated their terms of service, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And that legal battle is more likely to take the form of what's called, uh, it's Section 230. I can't remember the name of the law. The it Telecommunications basically, uh, Act. 
something like that. Yeah, the 1991 Telecommunications Act, I believe. That sounds about right to me. Basically, it's where you're allowed to be a platform and not held responsible for what people post. If you, you know, if you only moderate content for like, you have very like special, like specific ways you're allowed to moderate content and still not be held liable for what gets posted. Hmm. And that'll be the battle it eventually takes, I imagine. Makes sense. I think, is it potentially the Communications Decency Act of 1996, maybe? Uh, I, I know they call it like the, the platform shield. Yeah, it's just typing ASMR now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Do you guys says, like ASMR videos? Yeah, it is the CDR. No, or CDA. No, I hate them. I don't either. I don't understand. I don't understand that. Yeah. I, well, I don't understand a lot of things. Gaming culture is another that I just, I really just don't understand. <laughs> yeah, it says Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act. So, yeah. there we go. The more you know. Speaking about communications decency, moving on to the next article we have here. I, I found this article through Ars Technica this week, uh, basically saying the biggest ISPs paid for 8.5 million fake FCC comments opposing net neutrality. This is back in the days of good old Ajit Pai here running the FCC and basically um, saying that 18 million out of 22 million comments were fabricated, including bro pro and anti net neutrality submissions. And if you aren't familiar with net neutrality, basically net neutrality is the, uh, the stance in which an internet service provider cannot charge you more to be able to access certain websites or prioritize the traffic of one website over another. So like you can't buy the Netflix and Hulu pack where that only gives you access to Netflix and Hulu and not all these other things. It's, uh, a lot of other stuff, but basically, long story short, a bunch of ISPs uh, got busted for hiring companies and submitting fake uh, comments for against net neutrality, uh, which would in turn give them more money by being able to charge for different things. So this is a hot topic. It still is a hot topic. I don't know what to think about it. I don't think it's right that you're going to have these mega corporations, even on both sides, trying to influence the way that uh, politics are working. I mean, you have lobbyists all the time, but I feel like this is irre- like lobbyists are lobbyists, but this is irrepresenting the normal person. Yeah, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, too, but I, I believe I read in the article that some of the or a portion of those uh those comments and things were were real people's names that they were using weren't just you know fake generated names at that point i do not like if that is you know my name being used i don't like to be used as a political pawn or a pawn in you know big tech scheme or you know whatever you want to call them big broadband scheme um i want to be left out of it i don't want to be part of it i have my own opinion but i do not want to be um without my own uh, permission uh, implicated in something like this. So that, that's what makes me um, a little more fired up about this. It does say in the article here, it says more than 7.7 million fake comments supporting net neutrality were submitted by a 19-year-old college student in California pursuing a degree in computer science. That is interesting <laughs> to see. Uh, but it says, uh, unlike the broadband industry, efforts described above 
used the names and addresses of real people without their consent. So this person went around that and did that. But it did say that the people, like the the um, uh, ISPs, did make up the stuff. So okay, yeah, that computer science kid almost certainly wrote like a script or a bot or something just to send them for it's, sure. It's pretty easy to do. <laughs> Oh yeah, Ryan and I can probably whip well, one up real quick. But you have to get around some of the other annoying things. But like, I mean, anyone who is looking at the whole like, no one could get a console last year because botters were just buying it. Like, it's not that hard to get around. Right. Right, and the other, the other thing too that I just I just found interesting and slightly concerning too is the fact that there was some way they got around anti-spam like controls some some way you you would think that there would be something that would prevent all of this these similarly worded or very common seeming responses into the system and if you only have a couple of big players that are actually influencing this it leads you to a little bit of a like it's a conundrum there. I, I don't know. It's it's just me. Like the the normal person who's going to submit a real comment is going to get buried in the miles and miles of spam. Tied into that though is sometimes when you have these kind of campaigns going on, like real people, like people will put out like, "Hey, here's like a template you can use to like talk about it." Oh, so fair. You very easily get swept up in that as well. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah, like the fill out this form and it, it's going to automatically send an email to your congressman to do X thing. Yes. Right. Hmm. I mean, one could theorize, but who knows if this is what they're referring to? Like, <laughs> who knows? <laughs> I'm willing to believe that a computer science kid was just like, yeah, I'm going to send a few million comments. Like, yeah. Right. Fair. But that still seems less egregious than all the companies like trying to fake it. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I'm not a huge fan of internet service providers. I don't think they have the best interests of the people in mind. I think they're much more worried about profits. Uh, I mean, they are a business, I understand. But at the same time, internet has become a very, very, in my opinion, a utility to this point. Uh, almost as important as important as your electricity that you get to your house. So right, yeah. I don't know. Part of the issue is the laws we have are a little wonky. It's like people are cut up into sections that like you can't get another internet provider. So exactly, exactly. Basically, yeah. operate as a free market like you'd expect it to. Right. Mm -hmm. So the next. Uh, the next kind of topic we want to kind of cover here is the new fiasco surrounding air tags. Air tags are uh interesting new product from Apple and basically they're getting a lot of uh a lot of uh flack for kind of like a couple things going on with them. So we got this next article here. I forget who submitted this one. I think I did. Okay. Grizzlow, you put in this one. AirTag yeah. stalking is frighteningly easy and multiple problems were identified. I did not get a chance to read this one before the article, the, before the show today. Could you kind of give a little synopsis on it? Yeah, it was a pretty short article, um, but it just kind of was about um, this guy and his coworker 
and they wanted to test, um, you know, the capabilities of air tags and um, how, I guess, stalker proof they were and found that you really can very easily um, do some pretty nefarious stuff and slip and it'll slip through the cracks. Um, so what they did was they had uh, one of one of the guys had a bag and uh, his coworker slipped an air tag into uh, into his bag and had it in there for three days and was able to very successfully and very precisely track his location uh, around San Francisco, I believe, is where they were doing it. Um, he had paired it with his his own phone, the guy with the air tag, um, and the guy who he was tracking had his own phone. And the way the air tags work is uh, after three days, I believe, um, you're able to uh, pick up on another like unfamiliar air tag, and then your phone will will get a notification um, based on that like odd odd device, uh, the foreign device. Um, but what they found was that it really doesn't matter. That three days doesn't matter because for those three days, you're able to very, very, very precisely track um, these tags. And so Apple's claims of uh, having all of these rules and systems in place for anti-stock um, methods are, aren't really foolproof and they're not really well thought out. So if I'm understanding this right, basically the 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 stalker put a tag into somebody else's bag and then stalked them based on their their tag yeah yeah and these these guys you know, agree to do this they knew each other but it basically simulates the event where you would have a, you know a foreign actor or or a stalker um a stranger drop an air tag into your bag into your backpack whatever in your your car um and then be able to really track you there there's they haven't. They're basically proving that Apple hasn't really made a good case against stalking and, and for these air tags in terms of safety um, for stalking. Um, and another thing that they they mentioned in this article that I think is is interesting was that they said that um, like domestic abusers typically live with each other, and so if you're trying to track people um, who are moving around, it, it really doesn't work because. Um, they're always typically close to each other. So even in that case, in that special scenario, um, the air tags don't really uh, hold. Interesting. I, I don't know. So how, yeah, it's. I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's no, it's it's again, it was a, one of the biggest claims, or and in some of the concerns they obviously had to address, right, when they were creating a location tracking hardware. Um, I think they need to think it through more. I think maybe they have to um, have some other special like coding cases in in the systems so that you can't really do things like that. Um, I don't know how to do that. I, I don't really know how you fix it. At least off the top of my head, I'm not really sure how you fix it. Yeah, I'm I'm not entirely sure either. Any thoughts on that <laughs> one, Ryan? Uh, I mean, there's I can talk about solutions or I can it feels bad, but almost defend Apple. I kind of don't want to. <laughs> oh, uh, one wait of a minute. It's, it's more like a parallel thing, but like, I don't know, just as far as a solution, like if you're in contact with an air pad, air or an air tag for more than say nine hours and it's the same one and it's relatively close, that, that would basically, I think, be a case to throw that flag at that point at nine or 10 hours, because I mean, you work with someone for maybe nine hours a day. 
So if that tag's been following you around for 10 hours, that's kind of sketchy. Yeah. Hmm. I think it's actually a fair, that's a fair amount of time. That might be, yeah, that might be the simple fix is just to update the software on that. Uh, right. The kind of parallel thing is that, I mean, for years, people have basically been taking phones and just tossing them in people's bags and cars and then tracking people that way as well. This is just a more, you know, it's just smaller and more subtle. Yeah. I wonder if there's any way that you can use the proximity of the device to the air tag and they just kind of see it bouncing like closer and farther and closer and farther um, with that, that kind of cutoff of like maybe 15 hours or something like that to where it's they're they're going within a mile or two of the, th- or maybe not a mile, but like maybe like um, 800 feet to like, 300 feet or something like that. Like what, one of those things where there's a very specific range of distance that somebody would usually hang around. Um, But I, I don't know. I mean, that's definitely, you'd bring up a really good point. People have been doing this for a while. If they're going to find out how to, they're going to find somebody, they're going to find somebody um, just in a different way. It's not right at all, but people that's worked in the past. (laughs) It's the problem with technology. It's tools, you know? Exactly. Yeah. And then tools can be used or abused. Right. Right. Well, the next thing that we have here is about Amazon. Uh, Basically, Amazon is trying to partner with Tile to take on the AirTags. And basically, some of the key points, thanks to CNBC for this little, like, TLDR at the top here. Uh, Amazon partnered with Tile and Smart Lock Maker Level to beef up its mesh network of tracking. And the move will help Tile better compete with Apple, uh, which people are expecting AirTags to take off. So, um, I knows why. Yeah, exactly. It's it's an Apple thing. Everybody knows why it's going to take off. You know, heroes, no hole for a keychain, really. Yeah, there is no hole. They do sell accessories to clamp it on or clamp around it. Oh, um, whoop de do. <laughs> so, I mean. I think the pay up the money or you can't put it on your keys. Well, actually it's interesting you say that because there have been videos now where people have been uh, finding like the best area to do it in. They've been drilling holes into the air tags. So you can put them on the keys. We talked about air tags last week. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I, I think a very, uh, yeah, I I think a very uh, significant kind of takeaway from this article though, is that, uh, Amazon is helping Tile um, and, and using their own network to, to beef up and and you know put Tile uh, back kind of up to where they had been previously before. Um, I don't want to say was it last year or two years ago. Um, I think it was this last year. Apple um, kind of redid their Find My iPhone app and and now turned it into this bigger ecosystem of uh, tracking device tracking um, and they're they're allowing third party devices in. Uh, and essentially with their AirTags, um, they are creating this, you know, uh, this one product that already plugs into this huge network uh, to be able to, to track your, your items or whatever you have it as, um, on. And Tile's network doesn't even hold a candle to Apple's network with all of their devices and phones. And so now you bring in Amazon, you partner with Amazon and you partner with their, all their Echo devices you know how many people have Echo devices and, you know, their smart Amazon smart devices in their homes? Just that network alone 
totally puts them back on to like the, the level, I think, or at least close to the level that Apple's on with their, their find my network. And um, one thing to note, I suppose, is that uh, Apple is technically um, open to, to tile uh, or, or other uh, tracking devices being added to their find my network, similar to how they allow uh, other smart home devices to be added to their, uh, the home network, I forgot what they call it, um, system. I should know what it's called because I have them all over my apartment. Um, but I, I think it's really interesting to see how other companies are banding together with Tile and kind of putting it to Apple uh, with, with this, with this uh, partnership. You're, yeah, you're, you're very right on that. And the one thing that I find interesting, especially with something like this, is Apple is this Apple. Yes, they do this on their device, but by creating the AirTag, they are basically attempting a hostile takeover of another market here. They're basically trying to put Tile out of business. And yep. Tile is trying to respond by, in a way, starting their own kind of Cold War, partnering up with all these these companies, getting their, their arms together, and getting ready to fight back. So, Oh, yeah. And, I mean, essentially now they've given um, their competitors two options. Option A is you enable uh, Find My Support on your devices, and you bring them into the Find My Network, which then eviscerates... The, the company's own, uh, you know, uh, device finding network. Um, and so there's, there's that option. Option B is, okay, don't come onto our Find My Network. But it's really not great if the company doesn't do that because they're going to lose out on a lot of the features that are uh, available on the Find My Network. And so then you're, you can't compete because you don't have all the features the Find My Network does, and then you die. Not only right. does your network die, but your product dies, and it's not—it's no longer popular at all. Um, right. So I think I think this is really really good for competition, uh, for competition's sake that Amazon's coming in and partnering with, with Tile. Yeah, people underestimate Amazon's like technology chops a lot because I don't think they realize kind of what goes on behind the scenes at Amazon. Uh, I've talked to some Amazon people before, and they'll say like, "Oh yeah, we have these like." huge like secret facilities that are working on all these kind of like crazy ideas and a bunch of them die some of them succeed and some of them you see in like i don't know if you guys remember the patents for like the blimps that would like send out drones to deliver packages yeah that probably came out of one of those like basically think tanks that amazon has set up right so like people don't really process i think that amazon has a lot of very high-tech stuff like kind of going on behind the scenes that they're slowly bringing out into the works. Right. Definitely. Oh, yeah. One of the uh, next articles we have here, uh, we got, this is actually kind of a blast from the past right here. We got uh, Verizon is selling Yahoo and AOL for $5 billion to the Apollo private equity group. And Apollo Global Management here, they're paying $5 billion for uh, Yahoo and AOL. And uh, we watched Saturday Night Live last night, and uh, I think Colin Jost hit it right on the head uh, with his joke here saying, uh, hi, 1998 called. <laughs> and uh, I mean, <laughs> I don't know how else to describe it. Brian, you want to take the first uh, take here? since I kind of dominated the last one. What's Yahoo? <laughs> exactly. 
Damn. I forgot that site existed. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I want to know who's dumb enough to buy it. <laughs> I, I don't know how much money it brings in. I imagine not much. It says, uh, the private equity group Apollo Global Management Inc. is paying $4.25 billion in cash for a 90% share in the media assets. Verizon will keep a 10% stake in $750 million of additional preferred stock in the new company called Yahoo. Um, it says... Uh, da, 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 da. it struggled against Google and Facebook. That's that's all the uh, the stuff that says. And I don't have a Wall Street Journal subscription, so rip. Yeah, I know uh, they initially wanted to kind of spin it into like a media company, um, and and sort of rival, you know, Google and, and Facebook. And obviously, that didn't work. Um, and I think another important thing to note here is that they're selling both of these companies as a as a package at a loss. They paid, um, con- I think, total of about $9 billion um, separately um, when you add both of them together between um, AOL and, and Yahoo. And I want to say it was 2015 and 2017 when they made the two purchases. Um, so they're, they're selling it at a loss. And I think they realized that they had to just sort of take a loss to be able to get something back. Right. Yeah. Unless you have some kind of genius pivot on what to do with Yahoo. I mean, it's dead in the water for the most part. Yeah. It, they've, they've, they haven't stayed relevant and that's the biggest nail in their coffin. Like their homepage yeah. just screams 2005. Uh, like, like whenever you log into their email, their inbox is very cluttered and not very nice. And I mean, I, I don't know about, about you guys, but like AOL, they shut, shut down, uh, AOL online or, uh, the the live I messenger yeah the chat rooms yeah and that that was the only reason i knew aol that was <laughs> that was the only reason i knew it like oh, i knew it, i knew it for that brilliant tone that they used oh yeah that too yeah oh yeah you've got mm. mail i mean that's that's iconic isn't it yes yes definitely to us <laughs> i bet if you asked anyone about four years younger than us they wouldn't even know it Right. Four? I think it's... That I might be generous. It might be generous. It might only be two. <laughs> <laughs> we might be on the cusp of that one. And we're not even that old. We're, I mean, I'm assuming we're all 23, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I grew up learning a Windows 95 machine as kind of my, my first foray into computers. And I think I, I had a... Uh, gosh, what was it? I had an i386 for a while. That was That was fun. That was a lot of fun, but definitely one of those things where people, I, I feel like the knowing the nostalgia and the, um, the history of the internet through these two very big companies, it's, it's, it's a, it, it's kind of like sentimental for people in a way. I don't think it's $5 billion sentimental, but here we well, you are. still got a name brand to work with. So if you got some genius pivot, yeah, maybe it works. Well, I mean, hey, Xerox used to and started out as a big computing company. Um, that's where a lot of, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, that's where a lot of the original stuff for the Mac came from, mm-hmm. Macintosh. Um, so maybe they'll maybe they'll have some crazy pivot because now yeah. they don't really do computing. They're they're more of you know like a yeah. printing kind of business. Yeah. yeah. yeah I mean, so could, I mean, yeah, I mean, Kodak. I think it was last year as well. Pivoted from like, oh, we're giving up on cameras. We're just going to make drugs now. And that sent, yeah, like maybe not giving up on drugs. 
Yeah. Really? What? Yeah, you didn't see that? No. Does no one remember Kodak going up like 100% in a day? No. No? Don't trade. <laughs> Despite all the talk we, we, we have on the show Trends, about Dogecoin and, and crypto and all that. Absolute the lot of you. <laughs> all right. Despite anyway. all of our talks about uh, <laughs> financials. Anyway, next article we got here, speaking of shelving things, Microsoft is going to shelve Windows 10X, its Chrome OS competitor. Basically, they're, uh, long story short, they're just giving up on making, like, uh, their rival to Chrome OS and kind of realizing their own place in the market here. I mean, Windows 10 runs on a lot of things. It can run on ARM now, not as well, but it can. Uh, So, like... Why why reinvent the wheel, in my opinion? Stay where right. you got your market. You're going to solidify that market. Google's pretty much locked up that market. And, like, I, I don't want to be, like, don't even, like, try getting into it. But, like, Microsoft would have to do a lot and not lock people down to their ecosystem or anything like that in order to make this viable, which Microsoft has a very hard time doing. Right. Yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, honestly, I don't even like Windows as an operating system anymore. It's just like, I, I don't trust them to make it well on an ARM as well. What, are you more like a Linux guy? At this point, yes. I use it more. Hmm. If it wasn't for, like, some of the games I play requiring you to be on Windows, I wouldn't <laughs> use Windows at all. I mean, there's always, like, wine or something that could emulate it, but it'll run, like, 30 FPS. that stocks it. Oh, never mind. Yeah. And no, you'll get, like, you'll probably get, like, 10 FPS short of what you'd get on a Windows computer. It's not bad. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, Another thing, Microsoft becoming somewhat more relevant. They're finally updating its 26-year-old icons from Windows 95 here. Uh, updating all the good old uh, icons that I think are real nostalgic and making them into nice new icons that are actually somewhat more like clean instead of the like pixels and stuff. I don't know. I still kind of have a soft spot for all these, but um, I don't know. Uh, they're also potentially going to be retiring their fonts. So uh that's that's another just side note there, but I like I kind of like the icons. So <laughs> I had no problem with them. I, I don't really know why they they needed to pour all kinds of time into updating them. I and some of them, especially at the bottom right corner, I don't know if it was the power um, icon, the red with the uh, exclamation point. Maybe it wasn't exclamation point. Maybe it was the power icon. A lot of them didn't even look didn't look different at all. Um, yeah, yeah. A lot of them are very similar. Yeah, they, they don't look different at all. Too. Um, so, I mean, I don't know really if it's necessary and, you know, times are changing, I suppose. Yeah, definitely. I mean, who knows? All righty. Well, uh... yeah, you want to feel old? Ask someone like a year or two younger than us if they know why the save icon looks the way it does and then explain them that's a floppy disk and then hear them go, oh, and then ask someone <laughs> four years younger than, than us and ask and let them respond, you know, what's a floppy disk? <laughs> I mean, 26 years is, is definitely enough time to update some icons. Oh, yeah. Definitely. 
Speaking of updating uh, some icons here, uh, we got we got uh, Bill and Melinda Gates announcing their divorce, oh. and that is a break- horrible transition. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you got Bill Gates like and Melinda. They're kind of an icon. They started the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, basically eradicated malaria, kind basically. Um, and long story short, they're getting divorced. Lots of money, gonna be arbitrarily half of lots of money. Uh, now and basically they they are super rich and uh now they're gonna both be still just arbitrarily wealthy just less arbitrarily wealthy than if they were together so yeah i think they're gonna be i think they did come out and say they will still be working together on their foundation which is a really big part of everything they do um if Mackenzie bezos is any indication as to what um melinda Gates is going to be doing with her money. I'm sure she's going to be um, putting either a lot of it into the foundation or donating it to other charities. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's going to be another someone gets rich really quick just off of a divorce, uh, just as we saw last year with Mackenzie Bezos. Definitely. I don't want to dwell too much on that. Uh, bummer their marriage didn't work out. It happens. They're still yeah. arbitrarily wealthy. Nothing's changed. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll let us pass this over. <laughs> <laughs> the next article we got Sony working on integrating Discord into its PlayStation consoles. That's going to be an interesting one. I'm going to be super interested to see how this this works out. So is it integrated into Microsoft consoles already or no? So they did have a there was a a deal that they were trying to work out between Microsoft and Discord that did just kind of fall through within the last few weeks. So it's really interesting to see this news come off the heels of that deal falling apart um, between what would essentially be Discord and Xbox. Um, So it's really interesting to see now they pivoted to uh, having, instead of an ownership with uh, another company, they would be doing more of a partnership um, and still having ownership of of their software. But again, two rival, you know, platforms, uh, both having different bids, uh, it's interesting to see them kind of uh, prefer one over the other. Right. Definitely. You find anything about that, yeah. Ryan? Yeah, yeah, I was just checking real quick what the extent of it is. It's basically non-existent. You can't use it on the Xbox either. Okay, nice. Well, good for Sony, <laughs> good for Discord. So if Sony la- yeah, if Sony lands that, that's genuinely a reason, I think, to get a PS4 just so you can talk to uh, your friends who are smarter than you and on a computer. i mean i I see where you lie here too i stand by that statement nice moving on (laughs) uh next story we got here is our arbitrary nft story for every single uh episode we do here uh the 2009 viral video david after dentist was sold as an nft so uh it closed for eleven thousand dollars so yeah yes Yes, uh... and this is one of, like, the first viral uh, videos that hit, you know, YouTube back in the day, David after Dennis. I remember I watched this when I was, you know, whatever, younger, 11 years old, younger, 12 years younger. Um, And this actually is not the first uh, viral video that's being sold as an NFT. I believe the the Leave Me Alone Britney girl or guy or person um, did, did release that video as an NFT, and it sold for quite a bit of money. Um, it was when it, when it was converted from Ethereum to, uh, USD, it, at the time it was a little, it was just over $11,500 to put that into context. 
um, what $11,500 can get you uh, with the same amount of money you could buy 16 uh, NVIDIA GeForce RTX 3080 graphics cards. You could get uh, 23 PS5s. You could get 9,663 McChickens or 21,200.53 Dogecoin. I, I don't know what to do with this information. <laughs> <laughs> I thought some fun statistics would uh, make this a little more lively because... I mean, yeah, it's just the story is they sold a viral video as an NFT. And um, it is interesting to note that it isn't the first one. Like I said, the, the Leave Britney Alone uh, video is already sold for way more. It was like, I want to say it was a few hundred thousand dollars, um, as well as another uh, viral video that sold. Um, yeah, the Leave Britney Alone video uh, uh, made $41,000 and the Disaster Girl video made $450,000. All right, so I was a little off with the the, the, the Lee Britney Alone one, but yeah, no, it's I didn't realize that they were going to be selling these viral videos as NFTs, um, and I think at least from a, a in terms of a collectible, um, it's I guess it's desirable. It, I mean, it is. It's a viral video, and I didn't think about it when we had been talking about this in previous episodes about what we would see, uh, you know, being sold as NFTs and being um, got. Uh, created as NFTs or, you know, uh, shifted over into this market. Um, so it's interesting to see this kind of starting. Definitely. Definitely. And I feel like we're just going to keep on pulling these stories up with X video sells for arbitrarily large amount. Oh, believe me, I will still be, I will still be sending in more NFT articles. (laughs) NFTs are not going away. Um, if this proves anything, they're not going away. I remember when we were talking about this, um, whatever months ago now at this point um we're theorizing what will be sold as nfts will be implicated in this new market and since then you know we've seen digital art we've seen uh was it two weeks ago we covered the uh emily rajatowski kind of situation where she sold an nft of a picture of her in front of a picture of her that another artist owned and so there was a lot of uh complications for that so no there's not going to be there there will never be a shortage of NFT coverage on this on this uh, podcast. <laughs> I'm okay with that. I make money every time we do it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> turns out one of the cryptos that I've invested in, uh, previously it was used mostly for like, basically like doing like partial investing for different things for different people. Um, it apparently has blown up as a huge uh, NFT token. So, oh, or NFT platform. So. Hmm. For yeah. sure. Interesting. Well, we're going to do this because it makes Ryan money. So there we go. <laughs> no, 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 but no. not only because I, Ryan's I feel, making money, he'll also obligated. be covering this when he loses money. I feel obligated to disclose this. Yes. For, yeah, for. It, no, that's fair. I, I bought good. it before this whole NFT craze when that wasn't its primary use case. All right. This is just tacked on. There you go. This was luck for me, quite frankly. Yeah. I was doing okay in it before. I was up twenty five percent. Now I'm up to like almost. I I'm almost up a hundred percent. Nice, nice, very cool, very very cool. Uh, let's see. Next article we got here: Zoom has special access to your iPad's camera. It says it's help special meant to help with multitasking, but other apps can't use the camera at that point. I wasn't able to get this one uh, fully. 
fleshed out here, uh, but I forget who sent this in. Um, I think I did. Okay. Yeah, I think it's interesting, um, especially right now with the lawsuit against uh, Apple with with Epic Games uh, regarding the the App Store policies and how we're starting to see um, a lot of the companies and businesses and apps that uh, Apple does deal with. Um, we're finding out more and more that they're starting to cut or we're finding out that they've cut these companies and some of these companies special deals um, in terms of how much money they, they do have to give back to Apple with their in-app purchases um, that are less than the standard 30% that they typically charge. Um, and now this is an example of another case where Apple's uh, sort of working with one of these these companies and apps and giving them special access specifically to APIs and to their hardware. Um, they're, I believe, uh, the only one of the video conferencing platforms and that includes Teams um, and at least one or two other big, big uh, video conferencing platforms that uh, the, are the only one that can use that multitask feature, um, except for Apple's own uh, FaceTime app. And so it's really interesting to see how they're working only with one of these partners as opposed to a lot of their other big, um, big partners and big, big uh, apps on their platform. Yeah, that's something we kind of touched on last week while you weren't here is Apple kind of has the ability to pick winners and losers because their plat because everything about what they do is so closed off. Yeah. I mean source, everything's like proprietary. Yeah. And yeah. especially I guess with their, their app store too. I mean, the term walled garden is is not being thrown around without, you know, very uh without intent. Um it, it's very you <laughs> yeah um and actually i think this is going to be kind of cool too going forward especially with the new ipads that are coming out the ipad pros that have that big uh wide angle camera and the new features where they're able to move with you and zoom in um so we'll we'll see we'll see how that impacts it and see if any other of the uh video conferencing platforms are able to now have that ability now that it's kind of come out that zoom uh is the only other video conferencing platform that has that, uh, that ability. Definitely. Definitely. We will have to keep an eye on that. Next article we got here for us. Sennheiser is selling off its consumer brand and they are selling out to Sonova, a giant in the hearing aid business. They're basically a Swiss holding company. Uh, and they're expecting to close it by the end of the year. It's going to be interesting to see, what happens here uh, because I know Sennheiser is wonderful. I've, I've used a couple of their headphones when I used to do some pro audio stuff. Um, like they're, they're good stuff, but that's also pro audio, not necessarily consumer. So I'm hoping that sticks around. Oh yeah. Right. Ryan. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I'm wearing right now as a pair of Sennheisers. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. No, in the article it does say that um, Sennheiser is going to retain ownership and going to continue with their pro uh, line of, of audio equipment, but the the standard consumer line is going to be going to this uh, this audio um, the Sonovo, correct? Correct. Yeah, yeah. the uh, that company. Yeah, their pro line will be like that's already way out of most everyone's price range. I bet it'd start probably around five six hundred if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, it's they're they're expensive now. Yeah. What I have now is probably what they'd consider their consumer brand. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, 
Yeah, it's sad. I just hope that Senhai. I mean, you wonder if this is just one of their strategic moves of being like, hey, are we making the money off of this or are we just making the money off of we sell three five grand headphones like to X production company and that works like I I, I don't know. Apparently it makes sense for them at this this point. Yeah, and they'll be, they'll still be making um, money off of the naming and the licensing because they're still going to be um, under the Sennheiser name, and so they'll be getting paid royalties for using that brand and the, the name um, when Sonovo eventually does start cranking out these and selling them themselves. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, I don't know if they're going to change production processes, if they're going to change what goes in them, what the audio quality effect will be. Because uh, I know eventually, you know, when Sennheiser starts mass producing certain parts, it gets cheaper, it filters down to their consumer headphones. Uh, I'm not terribly surprised they decided to sell it off. I mean, there's not a lot of people left who like to wear big headphones like I do. Uh, everyone has these true... Yeah, everyone, <laughs> everyone, everyone has gone towards wireless headphones, true wireless headphones, so... I imagine their consumer brand has been taking hit after hit. Yeah, I, I could see mm. it. I could see it. I'm one of those uh, people that does use the wireless earbuds. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> In well, fact, I'm, I'm probably going to be buying I'm, a, a, a pair soon. Jacks anymore, so how do you use a wired pair? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, do you think that this move could eventually... And I don't I don't use the Sennheiser headphones, so I don't really know much about them. Um do you think this move, though, especially with this, uh, um, what's the company? Sonovo, they make, uh, uh, yes. Do you think that sort of, because they're already, they're wireless devices, right? Do you yeah. think that's going to play into them sort of uh, going into the, the wireless market more? Yeah, I'd imagine that's where Sonovo would try and take it. I mean, they have some experience with small batteries and all that, I assume. I, I obviously, you know, I'm not a member of Sonovo. I don't know what they're looking to do with it, but. Hey, who knows? Makes yeah. a good business move. End of an era. I'm wired into my computer through like a full amplifier, so yeah. I, I'm one of the holdouts who still buys wired headphones. And I'd argue you probably have the best. You have the best audio setup of all of us, guaranteed. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. I have a whole microphone. I got the headphones running into an amplifier. Exactly. <laughs> anyway i'm just doing this off an ipad that can't even rotate itself the right way <laughs> true gosh again having issues with this today um hopefully i'll be getting a new webcam soon nice very nice well anyway the next article set of articles that we have are all about good old elon musk he has had one heck of a week this week and uh, we're going to start out with the the bad news and then move to the rest. So the first article that we have here is about uh, Tesla's solar roofs. Uh, basically, they got sued. Uh, it says, after Tesla increased the price of a solar roof project by more than $30,000, homeowners explain why they have filed a lawsuit alleging breach of contract. Basically, uh Pennsylvania lawsuit said Tesla was in breach of contract suit uh, said it would seek federal class action status. And the increase was a significant disappointment. I mean, I don't know how to feel on this one. Uh, I don't think it's right. If you sign a contract st stating X amount and then you say, Hey, 
it costs more than uh, you said without clearly communicating that to people. Like whenever I sign a, I create a contract with somebody, I say, Hey, I'm not expecting this to go over, but here is the contingency in case it does. I will seek writing from you instead of just billing you 30 grand more than the contract is. So I'll, I think there's a little more context that you definitely should be providing here. And one of those things is that this contract that was put together between uh, Tesla and, and this, this uh, homeowner was from six months ago. And uh, they were promised, you know, this, this valuation, I want to say it was something like 30 or 40, 40 K um, for their, their system. And then 46. yeah, six months later, Tesla came by and was like, Oh, by the way, we want to put this up to like 74 K increasing it about $40,000. Um, and they're not happy with it. And so they're suing. Um, that's, that's definitely not a uh, very cash money of Tesla to be doing. And uh, I think that's very um, well within the rights to uh, take this in, into court because I mean, that, they, they increase the value by over a hundred percent. I got no idea what the contents of their contract was, what any of that is. So I, I don't feel in a good place to comment on it for the most part. Yeah. Although, I mean, I will say this, I, I mean, Tesla has had, historically um because i believe it's tesla that owns it um the 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 solar roof business they've had a lot of problems um since they acquired it in uh, 2016 or 17 um not i mean from rolling it out um the logistics to trying to get um you know everything manufactured uh they've had a lot of issues i'm i'm sure they're not the only customer that's been disappointed by uh, their their purchase or, or their contract that they set up. Um, so I'll be I'm curious to see if, if there are any other customers that come out and and uh, attach themselves to the suit. Um, that's alleging that Tesla is trying to screw them out of money. I yeah, who so knows? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, we'll we'll definitely have to see about this. Like Ryan points out, so many details in the air. I'm not a the lawyer. Most. Exactly. There we go. And I said, you know what? This ain't for me. I'm going to go be an engineer. <laughs> nice. Well, in other news, uh, for Elon Musk and SpaceX and all his companies, SpaceX was successfully able to launch and land a Starship prototype, and it didn't blow up this time. So uh, that is a great thing here. Yes, SN15 on Wednesday evening went up to about six miles and actually landed. It was on fire after it landed. I actually watched this live. Super cool. It was on fire after it landed, and their little robotic hoses started try attempting to put it out. Uh, but yeah, um, basically they were able to uh, take care of that. The only comment I have on this is their... Um, their video feed needs a fair bit of work on this, and I'll go into a little bit of details on that in a few minutes. I mean, it's hard enough to get video of this thing as is, just standing on the dock. And then you add, you know, you've got rocket fuel blasting everywhere, and, and smoke, and, and all of that. Especially when, when, the, uh, when the Starship eventually does land after it does its little land jump the six mile high land jump. Um, it's hard enough, man. Look, cut, cut them some slack. <laughs> and also they're not in the, the video photography business. They're in the business of making rockets and sending stuff to space. I don't think they should be uh, committing a full studio here to, uh, you know, the video quality. Although I will agree. There are definitely times where 
it, it does need to be upped. But I do find myself also watching these things and going, I'm watching a video game right now. This isn't even real. Like, wh- I'm not watching an actual rocket go up in the air and in space and all of that. Yeah, I don't have too much to say. Just good job, SpaceX. So here, here's the also, kicker, though. Also, yeah, SpaceX. Wonderful job. Like, phenomenal accomplishment. Everybody who worked on this should be super proud. The one thing that I did find interesting, though, is that that there's kind of chatter in the space community that the reason they were having all these video issues is they mounted a Starlink antenna, and that's how they were transmitting the video as opposed to any other ways they used to do it in the past. I'm not exactly sure how that worked, but they were saying that the video was going through Starlink this time. So I'm going to, and I I know you want to up the quality here, but this is my stance on it. Um, Apple, as an example, um, has their big campaign shot on iPhone, right? Mm -hmm. They had this huge campaign about using their own products to market and sell their own products. Um, I don't think this is a problem. And actually, you know what? Specifically for Starlink um, and that whole internet um, system, I think this only just proves that it works. And I think this is actually a big plus for for Starlink and for SpaceX trying to sell this this system. Um, It's proving to be more successful and even more um, capable than they initially had uh, thought. And I actually think this is a big, big plus. So I would say continue on and make Starlink even better because it's only going to prove that their technology works and works well. And in turn, it's only going to help them uh, sell more of their own stuff. Very true, actually. Sidebar, sure shot on Apple and shot on a bunch of other phones have all on multiple occasions been shown to actually be DSLR cameras pretending to be iPhones. (laughs) Okay, okay. But but the the idea though that you're using your own product to um to 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 help all your other you know systems and things like that using Starlink um to be able to broadcast their own uh, feeds I think is pretty neat and really really cool. I think awesome. yeah I definitely think it's it's awesome. In my opinion though, what they okay okay in. What I think is they they just went like full send. We're just going to make this like full send uh, Starlink. We're going to do all this stuff and kind of just took off whatever they were working on. I could now I could be very wrong. They could have been this could have been doing Starlink since the beginning, but I just didn't know. Um, In my opinion, what I think I would have done if if it were me, I would have had the two systems there. Get assuming it doesn't add weight or change the aerodynamics, yada yada yada. Everything is normal. Um, but basically what I would have done is I would have still had that legacy system there to be able to broadcast the video back just so you could have it. I mean, granted, they still have flight recorders and all that stuff on there. So we'll see a full edited video at some point. Uh, but in that real time transmission, it's better to have the redundancy of both these connections. If one fails, you go to the other. So I don't think they're quite worried about a video feed cutting out on a test for a land jump. Fair. If the, if the feed cuts out, it cuts out. They're not worried about, I mean, I'm sure they want to record this, right, for their own um, engineering purposes to to be able to go back and, and check to see if anything went wrong, right? Um, 
they're not mainly and chiefly focused though on on the video quality. They're they're mainly focused on is this rocket going to go up in this in the sky, hover, and come back down without blowing up this time? And I I mean obviously they achieve that. Um, I I think that's more of their focus, as it should be. Cool, cool. Alrighty, well. In other news for Elon as well, he actually hosted SNL this weekend. And uh, one of the other things that they put on here was uh, he revealed he has Asperger's syndrome during the SNL monologue, which I thought was actually a pretty, pretty wholesome moment of this where he was just like, hey, I think I'm the first guy with Asperger's to have to host SNL or at least the first one that would admit it. Um, And it's it's interesting to see and i i feel that as though that would empower the the community with asperger's to um kind of shoot for the stars in a way um so i i think it it is nice that he was able to do that in terms of some of the other things in the episode it was pretty <laughs> cringeworthy but um yeah it was- did so I'm assuming Brian, did you watch it? I know Fitz and I did. I've watched pieces of it. I, so, I enjoyed SNL mostly ever. Okay. I mean I mean Fitz, I want to hear your take on it. I know <laughs> I mean I know you said there were some cringy moments. I mean While I, we're reviewing SNL here. We're reviewing SNL on a tech podcast. Here we go. Um <laughs> but Well, because Elon Musk is hosting. Why there was no reason why we would talk about I mean, really, we would not be talking about SNL if it weren't for him. Right. Correct. Correct. In my opinion, he did he did all right. He was able to be somewhat personal. I could understand him being very, very um like like a typical tech guy, right? Relatively reserved, very um, stiff, but you can also now kind of attribute that to him revealing he has Asperger's. Um, but at the same time, I just feel as though a lot of the, the stuff that the producers or whatever, kind of some of the material they gave him were, was not, not, not relevant or just, beating a dead horse so yeah and that's i think that's snl kind of right now in a nutshell um i remember watching it when i was much younger um back with like bill Hader and um oh who is it uh he he does the soccer uh apple show now um i can't remember his name i mean there's so many people um in like 2010 2011 2012 that kind of era um, that were so good still. Um, so it is kind of disappointing to see it kind of be really, I have no better way of saying it other than like Gen Zified, um, which is a, I mean, one great example of that is the one skit they did with the, the, the podcast of that Icelandic girl and, and then the Gen Z hospital, which was the first skit that they did, which was pretty bad. Um, all a little bit. It was really, it was pretty bad. Um, but I loved his opening monologue. I think that, yeah, I, I think that him saying he'd Asperger's and him going on, you know, this very, very public, also a very live uh, comedy show, um, I, yeah, I absolutely think does prop up that community and uh, kind of shows them that, yeah, you could do anything. You could send rockets into space. You can, you know, build electric cars and you can host SNL. The sky's the limit. I, I think that was, that was really cool. Uh, a really, really cool moment. I'll be honest. It doesn't come off to me as anything terribly new just because of like 
I'm used to engineers having those kind of things. Like I've been in groups with people with autism. I've been in groups with people with ADHD. It's just like, yeah, this is kind of, you get a lot of people like that in engineering for the most part. Very true. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm speaking, you're preaching might, to the choir here. Yeah. Um, I, might just be I was in here too. I, I'm muting you. <laughs> <laughs> Talk over I mean, Ryan. I'm actually muting you. You're muted now. Very used to that just being the case. Like, I, I don't know. It's that part isn't surprising me. As far as the quality of SNL's jokes and all that go, uh, I don't think it was good then. I think SNL's been pretty much dead when Chris Farley died. I do not like. I don't <laughs> like that argument that people make. Was it ninety eight? People say I don't like that because, like I said, in the two, early two thousands and or the two thousands, and then the twenty tens specifically, I would say before like twenty fourteen. Um, you had so many good, talented uh, comedians who are now on to very successful careers. Um, and these new people just aren't really there. Um, Keenan Thompson, for whatever reason, still on the show. I don't know why. He's he's really the only he. I would say he's the last person on the show right now um, from the last good era of SNL. And he he really wasn't featured at all in the episode. Um, he's been on it for a long time. I, I don't expect him to stay on for for much longer. Um, but yeah, I think the episode was was decent. I only watched it because of Elon Musk. A lot of good jokes with Dogecoin. Um, he, I think they called him what the, the Doge father, um, he had a lot of really funny jokes about him being like a, a simulation or life being a simulation, him being like a lizard person. Um, it, <laughs> he, he played some interesting characters too. Um, I think some were good, some weren't great. Um, it's, so, it's all a matter of personal opinion. I, I'm of the opinion that it- that's like a sine wave because it is a skit comedy show so like every year it's going up and down and up and down and up and down but i'm also of the opinion that where that sine wave zero point is centered at has been going down since then the high points basically been going down yes yeah it's so (laughs) wait you gotta remember there's some people uh, that watch this podcast that aren't engineers that don't have you know the, the map do, do I have to, to do to I have to fire me. up a paint window and show all this here let me <laughs> let me do that paint no no, no but but Ryan you do bring up a really good point though um and actually this is something that uh a lot of people have been writing online about that one of the only reasons they brought Elon Musk on for hosting was to make them relevant again and bring viewership back up Beyond. I don't know if it really worked so um <laughs> I'll, I don't think it's. I don't think the episode was any worse or better than any of the other episodes that have happened recently. I just think SNL's not been that great. They've had a skit here and there in the past like decade that I've enjoyed, but like on the whole, like ninety percent of every show to me is like complete garbage, and the other ten percent is either good or mediocre at best. The Chad one was pretty good. I like that one. <laughs> so anyway. To go back to your theory here, Ryan, I got my uh, my wonderful drawing skills going. So you got a normal sine wave. Oh, come on. Uh, let me undo that. You got your, your normal sine wave that's going kind of like this. So it's more you of got... a triangle wave, but I'll let it slide. Okay, you tried drawing. <laughs> uh, but you got your high point, you got your low point, and you got kind of where it zeroes out at the beginning and the end. What your theory is basically saying is you have the the axis here. You have like your uh, your y axis, and then you have your 
your x-axis here but there's kind of a, a third line here that's kind of like going like this or excuse me the other way the other way so like started out here heading downhill and basically your sine wave is just kind of going like this around it down yeah and i down. and i think if you do look at viewership um numbers over the last 15 20 years it does show that um an interesting thing to note is uh it spiked i want to say twice in the last 20 years the first was i want to say in 2008 um and then the last was in 2016 and viewership's only really gone down um for for a long time and i think you're definitely right and i'm not sure if the elon musk of the episode helped SNL stay relevant. Um, but we'll see. Hard eyes on the episode, but because I don't think the episode was good, it's only going to hurt. Well, I and I think, yeah, and I know there was a lot of people, or I shouldn't say a lot of people, but there were definitely things in the media where people were talking about how they did the cast members weren't going to uh, perform and they didn't want to be on with Elon Musk because he's a big billionaire. Um, last time I checked, though, Back in 2015, when they had Donald Trump on, no one really complained. And to me, that was some of the funny stuff, only because he was so awkward and so out of his element when they did the uh, the Hotline Bling parody um, music video. And he was doing his very best to sing, which is, I, I, I can't describe to you in words how funny it is to try and hear, or to hear Donald Trump try and sing Hotline Bling. And then he's doing his stupid little, like... This, oh my god it, oh, that that alone like that meme was hilarious i think um but well, yeah I, I don't really understand it well like why I why mean, people would complain about it because it's at the end of the day if they really think it was gonna help viewership i would think that it would be in the best interest of the uh, cast members to support it you know right well I'm, it would have to their viewership i think long term if it had been a really good episode i'm saying it wasn't is the problem well, yeah, no, I don't think, like, it, it takes a lot. I would take a lot for SNL's viewership to go back up, right? Like, what you're, you're absolutely right. One episode is not going to, like, completely change the trajectory of their viewership. Um, I do think, though, that maybe, yeah, I think you're, you did mention, I think, that it, it definitely could brought more eyes to, uh, to SNL. But, yes, it's kind of a trash uh, show now. And it, it sort of only showed, improved more of that point in that episode. Well, apparently people thought that way because uh, Dogecoin plunged after Elon Musk was on <laughs> SNL and it went down, I think uh, from crashed nearly 25% from 69 to 48 cents a few minutes into his show. Uh, and it basically was, was starting to crash. Um, I'm not sure if that's indic indicative of SNL in general or just anything um with that but it's still down um and i don't know we'll we'll see i think i think in weekend update in his little like when he when his skit where he was supposed to be a financial analyst i do believe he did have some more scathing remarks on dogecoin i might be wrong he mentioned he um, i, I remember I he this he quote he quoted he said uh uh michael Ch michael che goes so it's a hustle and he goes it's a hustle and uh like Kind of. I mean, Dogecoin yeah. has been dead for a long time. Mm -hmm. They've stopped it. They've stopped giving it support. It's a dead coin. Uh, it is solely propelled forward right now by meme magic and nothing else. Correct. You're not. You're not wrong. And <laughs> apparently now you could also use it to uh, literally launch a Dogecoin funded satellite to the moon. 
To the moon, so, baby! Uh, you mentioned meme energy. Here we go. This is the example of meme energy right here. Uh, long story short, SpaceX is accepting Dogecoin. It will be paid exclusively in the cryptocurrency to launch an upcoming satellite named Doge1 to, yes, the moon. Uh, it's a CubeSat meant to acquire lunar spatial intelligence using onboard cameras and sensors, being sent and paid for by a company named Geometric Energy Corporation and will be flown up in a Falcon 9 rocket in the first quarter of 2022. Elon so... Musk only knows how to make memes better. I mean, <laughs> he just he just took the Doge to the Moon meme, oh, yeah. and he Literally. actually is going to get go- Doge to the Moon. I think that is... God, someone needs to someone needs to add them to their like PR or their like social media campaign uh, team because he would do phenomenally. Yeah, but like if, if in another life he could be a PR guy and do so well on social media. I mean, learning like you you take a hit on SNL with with the, the Dogecoin stuff, and I mean he turned it around. I still don't necessarily like they're trying to bounce back they're trying to make the best of this but this is just per like furthering that meme and i mean yeah. how could how can you not just think it's like so stupid and funny that this is actually going to happen that's all it is <laughs> it's a big meme <laughs> I, I should clarify i do have some bias against doge because I've looked at crypto for a while. I've tried to read the white papers of all these coins and what they're doing and how they're accomplishing them. And then Doge goes up 12,000%. Just because? <laughs> uh, yes. I mean, you, you can't put that in any other words other than, yeah. <laughs> That's all you exactly. can say. Right. Right, right. Well, on the bright side... Uh, if you invested in Doge uh, before, uh, here's how much you would have. Basically, long story short, uh, this was before the crash that happened. But basically, um, it it was, uh, gosh, what was it? I I saw the. This was published, here. I believe, last Wednesday. Correct. I forget what the the article here said. Uh, thousand Bitcoin. Um, uh, da, 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 da. go paragraph up paragraph up there this one yep up, uh, you enjoyed massive gains a thousand dollar dogecoin purchase on january 1st 2021 would be worth one hundred and twenty one thousand fifty two dollars at wednesday's high of 69 cents obviously not as much now but like wow and ryan yeah. i'm sure you have your feelings on this one yeah it's still uh I've done all this reading and this work to try and figure out what should go up in the long term and all this, and then Doge go ver. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best way of putting it, honestly. <laughs> but I uh, love it. To the moon, baby. To the, to moon. the moon. Or Mars, I guess. Uh, you can watch and hear NASA's Ingenuity Copter zip around on Mars now, which is actually really cool. Uh it was an awesome video to watch here. They actually uh, could show you the video, um, and I didn't watch this one in particular, but you could just kind of like see it going. There it is, wee! But uh, there was there was one where it shows you like uh, I think it. Oh, is there a land in a takeoff uh, portion of the video? 
Uh, let me see. Um, yep, there it is. It's taken off right there. Here. Woo! See? Right there. It's going to take off. We... We have drones on Mars, everyone. But, <laughs> like, it's just crazy to think about that. Like, just hear the surface of Mars. But um, props to JPL and NASA for that one. In other Absolutely. Other space news, uh, debris from China's Long March 5B rocket crashed back to Earth in the Indian Ocean. Uh, I I just actually watched a video about this, um, and I'm happy it didn't miss anything, or it didn't hit any land. Uh, <laughs> You're happy it missed everything? <laughs> I'm happy it missed everything. <laughs> Clarification. Oh my gosh, I can't talk. Uh, but I'm happy it missed everything important. Um, and it hit, it hit the water. Um, there's, there is actually about a 70% chance that it would hit the water just because of the, the composition of the earth, um, and the way things deorbit. And if we had any one of my many aerospace buddies on here, they could give me a three hour, um, presentation on why that happened and the way everything works. Uh, but I'm just happy that it didn't hurt anybody. Uh, it shouldn't have come out of, uh, excuse me, the, uh, orbit uncontrolled, but it happens. So. Yeah. And I do think an important thing to note here is that China seemed to have a very nonchalant stance on it and saying, Oh, well, you know, there's not a good chance of it, you know, hitting anyone or going anywhere. And that's fine and fair, especially statistically, um, that it, it wouldn't, um, problem with that though, is that this is not their only, uh, rocket launch this year. And, the fact that they have this sort of very nonchalant stance on it, I think is a very big concern um, because yeah, while there's a 70 whatever percent chance of it not hitting land, uh, there's a 30% chance of it hitting land. And with that, you have a hundred percent chance or some, some percent chance of it, it impacting someone. Um, I think people have to be more responsible and, and space programs need to be held accountable um, when they fail to sort of, uh, you know, follow certain protocols or maybe there need to be certain protocols put in place so that stuff like this doesn't happen. Um, right. It doesn't matter what protocols you put in place. China would probably ignore them anyway. I mean, that's, it's true. That's generally their modus operandi with a lot of stuff. Um, I think what probably happens, we'll just keep doing that. And maybe one day someone will get hit and will cause an international incident. And then maybe something will get done. Hmm. But I think I'd, absolutely nothing I, I hope it wouldn't. I'd hope it wouldn't get to that point, though. Yeah, Especially hope. because they this is not their only... I don't know what the number is. It, it, I know it's more than five. Um, the, the Chinese... Uh, I don't know what, what they're called. The program um, is, is sending up how many a certain amount of rockets this year. Um, and this one, I believe, was actually for their new uh, space shuttle or their, their new space center. Um Yep. So there are going to obviously be more of those. And I, I think there's definitely going to be more eyes on China um, and other programs um, and, and more emphasis on the idea that we need to be more responsible when we're sending things into space, that if we're putting things in orbit, that, that you know, everything goes right, that precautions are, are taken, that we, you know, think about these things before we we do them because they have real world implications. It's easily, I mean, I, I remember looking at some of the flight paths um, and it went, I want to say, as far north uh, as even, like, the Chicagoland sort of uh, 
I don't know what it what's called the area, but like Northwest Indiana near Chicago where the lake kind of does this. Um, I know there was, that was one path. There was another path where it went uh, around New York and then tons across the around the world all the way down to like Australia. Um, yeah, the thing, the thing's moving so fast. It's so hard to predict exactly where it'll come down. And that's, that's the biggest and, problem. And not only is the speed a problem, but there are so many factors. I mean, right. the, the material it's made out of, right. atmosphere could change temperature. Um, there's, there's a ton of different factors. I mean, if, if some little space debris hit it at some point, cause it was in orbit for, what was it? If it, it's been over it for in orbit for a week or so, right? So, I mean, there are so many numbers of factors that, that could play into this. And I, I remember watching, an, uh, uh, I don't know if it was, or someone who works at NASA talking about how kind of complicated this, this whole situation is and how it's not so cut and dry and they can't really pinpoint, you know, five factors or X, Y, Z reasons why it'll land in one of these five locations, you know? Um, right. It's complicated, but that's, again, a reason why that, we need to be more responsible when we're sending things into space um, and not just China, everyone, and not just, you know, international programs or, or um, you know, programs propped up by countries, but also, you know, private uh, uh, companies like SpaceX. Yeah, just land your own rockets. Exactly. It's <laughs> <laughs> easy. Just do Stop that. Drop it off pieces of your rocket. <laughs> land the rocket. Come on. There you go. Uh, some other cool kind of space stuff is actually the entire title of this episode. So the next article we have is Disney reveals it's real lightsaber and it looks extremely cool. And you got this uh, little gif here. Um, I, I don't know. That's it, cool and all, but like, I don't know how I feel about that. It's, it's not, it's not real. And it's, it's a, it's a prop. I understand. But at the same time, like, it's there. You can't call it real. Basically, long story short, Disney showed off a first look at its quote real lightsaber, which the company is testing in April. And basically, what it would be is like a prop for people in the uh, galaxy's edge yeah. area. All they mean by real is that it looks like it would on a screen. But this is the thing you have to remember. This is not. This is not. They they're they're not you know building this as a, as a real thing right but also no, just this is like Disney okay this is this this lightsaber is as real as Mickey Mouse it's as real as Donald Duck it's as real as you want it to be I mean and it's for children it's for children yes right it's 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 for kids and it's meant for kids it's not meant for you and I and Ryan to pick apart why it's not scientifically accurate. I don't give a um, shit about And we that. can, we can oh, talk right. about this in terms of so many other things that they have there, I'm sure. Um, and, and so many other things, right? But it's not real, and that's it, you have to put that aside. Put, putting that aside, it's not a legitimate plunging through, you know, steel at however many thousands upon thousands of degrees, wow. Kelvin, to, to you know, uh, to maneuver it and, and work through the material. It, it's, a, it's meant for kids enjoying it. I and if you can make that portion of it as real as possible, I think that's really cool. If I had kids right now, I would, and, and this thing was there, I would absolutely bring them and, and show them because it, at least as a child, Star Wars was, I, I don't want to say formative, but um, I love Star Wars as a kid, regardless of the, the sequel trilogies. Um, 
I know you have gripes with it, Ryan. And honestly, I do too. I, I'm um, getting to that. But, I, you know, it's for kids. And it's it's about the wonder and imagination of, of the youth. And uh, if you can make it as real as, real as possible, um, it only adds to the wonder and amazement for, for little kids. And I would absolutely be so, like, pumped up to see my little guy get so, you know, excited. Or little girl, I guess, excited about, uh, like, a real lightsaber. Because they weren't like that when we were kids. I don't care about anything new that's getting produced in Star Wars, largely on the backs of these sequels. Um, yeah, that that's really what it is. Those sequels have kind of like, I'm just not looking at anything new anymore from there. I just don't care about any of the new stuff. I will go back and just enjoy the stuff I like. I agree with that. And... I, I understand, like, you have it for, for kids and everything. I think that's super cool, and it's great. Um, and you're making the kids all happy and everything like that. But I like burning things. So here is what, in my opinion, is a real lightsaber. And this is from the Hexsmith here. Insane guy. Uh, basically, they built, like, a legitimate plasma flame that... I, I don't, I'm not sure if it's plasma, but long story short... It's literally like a legit, like you can melt through a door with it. Like, like in my opinion, that's real. But I, I, I don't know. That's that's just me. So, if uh, you want to talk about real, though, that is and will be for a long time as real as it gets. That is also not quite an actual lightsaber. It's a proto saber. Which is which is a you know the first generation or at least in the comics or whatever um, a, a previous iteration of the lightsaber where it had to be plugged oh, into a power got, source and it was plugged. All into that a got cut out by Disney, by the way. But anyway, what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Disney cut out every last bit that basically said like, oh, we are not operating as if this is true. That's besides the point. Okay, well, uh, what was I going for? I lost track of where I was going for now. Something about I, oh I, yeah, I was in the middle design. of speaking. Yeah, but I was go going ahead. something. No, I'm cutting you off at the base. Go. Star Wars is science fantasy, not science fiction. It's like a lightsaber cannot exist. So who cares? <laughs> yeah, okay, no, point. it's it's that's yes, it's exactly the point. It, it cannot exist because the technology doesn't exist. I I can't. No, I will say with certainty, it it won't exist at least for a long time. Yeah. And no, yes, the closest it, thing we'll the, get the is the way this, that this, works literally cannot exist. It's. It's the difference between something being science fantasy and science fiction. Science fantasy, they just kind of wave their hands and go, I don't know technology. Yeah. It's a genre thing. As far as the whole kids thing, man, those new sequels were so bad. I want my kids to enjoy something that's actually quality. <laughs> well, there's going to be new you know, Star Wars projects and things like The Mandalorian are coming out. I, I really like The Mandalorian. They've broken um, my trust. I... What? What do you call I don't trust them to produce good products. Do you not enjoy things like The Mandalorian? I never bothered to, I never bothered to watch it after watching those those sequels. Okay, well you can't they were say some then. The... You you oh the whole. You can't oh, yes, say. I can. No, no, no. You can't say that they're not producing good content if you're not even going to watch the content. That's like saying I don't like ketchup if I've never had okay. ketchup. That's not a Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. Jesus, sorry. Whoa, okay, okay. Uh, sorry. I'm going to have to bleep that out. <laughs> yeah, sorry. It's been a... It, I'm just off a of finals week. This It's one of those days. 
Hey All man, I'm just right. trying I go to, over, just, I go over the top to, when I'm talking a lot. I apologize. I'm just asking for some logical arguments here. That's yes, and here is the logical argument, right? It's a business. When they stop producing things you like, you stop handing them money until they produce something better. Right, but you saying that So I stopped every, handing them money. Okay, but you saying that I don't like the new stuff. You haven't even seen all the new stuff. Okay, like, but what you're, you're, saying, you're asking me to fork over my money, though, is the thing. Right. I, I see Ryan's argument here. He's you're said, asking me to fork over my money after the last thing they produced was garbage. So I'm not going to hand them my money. Yes, but... but I am consumer. Saying, hear me roar. Yes, but the <laughs> statement of I don't like all the new stuff without even seeing or giving a chance to all the new stuff, that's a totally not valid argument. Like I said, it's like saying... Okay, from I a consumer like point of view... Okay. Without ever even having had ketchup. From a well, reviewer like point, I don't like McDonald's. If you, okay, if you're a professional movie reviewer, sure. If you're a professional movie reviewer, fine. That's the case. I'm not. I'm a consumer. I'm not a movie reviewer. I'm a consumer. So if you stop you. producing a good thing, I'm not handing you my money anymore because you don't deserve my money. You right, haven't earned. I'm not. Argu- I'm not arguing that that's not a fair. Um, that's not a fair position because it absolutely is. But to say that everything they've made that's new is not good, but not having even seen all of the new stuff that's not a fair that's not a fair argument i can I haven't encountered well, any of the new stuff let's let's hold up let's i haven't think, encountered any of the mandalorian whoa, whoa, okay whoa, whoa. let's take a step back and that's here. for a reason so because i'm first off i'm not gonna hand disney my money for a lot of reasons sure sure mostly to do with uh things happening in uh camps in china but <laughs> and that's that the that has to do with disney yes because you have to buy disney plus you don't remember this? They literally were using inmates at the Wuhan concentration camp in Mulan. You don't remember this whole thing? I'm not sure if I'm even aware. It still doesn't really feed in the argument of. It's it's a reason. It's one of the reasons the I haven't seen the Mandalorian here. Like our original. Discussion. Well, it's one of the many reasons I don't have Disney Plus. Okay. So I can't watch it in the first place. First of all. Okay, but then you can't say I don't like any of the new stuff if you haven't seen. Okay. All the new stuff. The only, or if you've only seen a portion of new stuff, you can so let me just. Movies. So if you pull fine. the Mandal, okay. If you pull the Mandalorian out, fine. We're just going. Whatever. I'll if hold you want that. To talk about trilogy, I'll bag. I will hate. I will hold the. With you I will and beside you all day. I will hold the Mandalorian in ambivalence. Everything else they've put out, in my opinion, has been pretty much. Like episode seven was like a B minus, and everything after that like fail on every metric to me. Well, are you going to also that include, then rope that in... includes Solo, that includes Rogue One. But also We're... things like Season 7 of The Clone Wars. And I'm not around that yet. I'm in the process of re-watching Clone Wars because that was actually excellently done. See, I only watched a little bit of it. And actually, I remember watching the original movie. The, the Clone Wars, the animated Clone Wars movie. We don't now, talk... that... Oh, oh, okay. I thought you were talking about Episode 2 and it's like, ooh, that one's no, no, not no, 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 no. No, no, no. The movie. I remember watching that like when I was way, way younger, and that was like so cool because there wasn't a ton of new Star Wars at the time. I think it was no, there was none. Was it after? That was after this. That, that was, was post three. It was oh yeah. So all the all the new quote unquote new Star Wars stuff had already come out. And there was nothing else. Yeah. Um That yeah, that was that was really really cool. Only because that's all there was at the time. Um, well, also throughout the show, it's surprisingly well done for like how a war operates, the politics that are going on behind it. It's sh- it's shockingly, like, well done and adult for a children's series, essentially. 
Yeah. Which is honestly the type of content I think you should produce for children. So I don't I think, think we give children I, enough credit. I think to, to put a pin in this, because um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're being that horse at this point, but to put a pin in it, um, I absolutely agree that the sequel trilogy was trash. In fact, I was incredibly disappointed um, when they brought J.J. Abrams in to save episode nine. And really, it was just like shoehorning a ton of concepts in with. Oh, let's just, bring Palpatine back. It, it just it didn't make sense. But everything after that, and as far as I remember, The Mandalorian season one debuted um, weeks before episode nine came out. After after they were, let's say, done um, completing episode nine, everything else that they've done has been received by the fans is pretty decent. And as someone who has seen Mandalorian, um, I've really enjoyed it. I, I've watched it with my dad. You know, he's 51 years old. He saw the original trilogy in theaters. He loved that stuff. He wouldn't even give the sequel trilogy the time of day. And even the prequel trilogy. He only really showed that yeah, to us. I'll be honest. Prequel trilogy, one and three work for me. Two's kind of exists. Yeah. The, I mean, the only reason <laughs> he showed it to us as kids was just to show us kind of like yeah. the completion of the arc. Like, okay, there's four through six and now one through three. And that's it. Um, but yeah, he, he absolutely loves the Mandalorian. In fact, I remember when we finished uh, the first season with them, he's like, so when are they coming out with the next one? And I had to say, dad, it's going to be like another year. And he's like, another year? And I'm like... Yeah, it's just how it is. Um, and we watched season two together. We, we I mean, absolutely, we, we absolutely bond over it. Um, it's it's really good. Their character development's decent, um, and and how they make the show is is pretty incredible. Um, in your free time, I, I would recommend looking up if you haven't already. Um, seeing how they do some of the behind the scenes VFX, a lot of the scenes that they shoot are in this big like led board room and so they're doing this live image tracking basically how you would do with like video games and stuff like a first person video game where instead of uh changing like where the camera is they change the background and so the the character is able to move like differently and it's just really cool and different way of of shooting it, it all it really is fascinating and there's a really good video on it uh yeah 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 Anyway, so uh, <laughs> listen, I'm stuck well, on the outside of that because uh, <laughs> I, I can't imagine I'm ever going to buy Disney Plus largely on the backs of the fact that like, oh, yeah, we're basically collaborating with concentration camps to produce some of our content. Shh. I mean, definitely. I like Baby Yoda. And on that note, uh, we're going to close out for today. Thank you very, very much to Matt and Ryan for being here with us uh, for your insights or uh, whatever. Love you long time, Ryan. Or wh- wh- whatever that was. Uh, and then, also, yes. <laughs> and uh, thank you guys for your um, collaboration today. And happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. You're doing God's work. And uh, you guys, you Sorry guys, about are... my foul language. <laughs> y'all deserve y'all deserve a year as opposed to a day. By the way, honestly. So um, with good. that, thank you guys so much uh, for tuning in today, and tune in next week for another episode of Tech Talk Nation. Thank you for listening to Tech Talk Nation. 
Tune in next week for more discussion on the latest in tech.